It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and prove press, and I will probably give you one in return. Also, like King David Comedy. That's coming with a K on most major social media platforms. And we're here to talk what else but wrestling and problems. And before I forget, you can go on and get your great, wonderful, awesome, incredible, did I say awesome wrestling with problem shirts? Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash VOC Nation and you can get your wrestling with problem shirt there now. Let out again and please support the show. It really helps us out if you support the show by getting a shirt. And you know, if you if you take your, if you take a picture of yourself in the shirt, we'll post it to our social media accounts as well so you can get some free publicity for yourself. Or if you demand that we don't post it, take the picture anyway and demand that we don't post it. Either way, buy your shirt. Anyway, Let's talk some wrestling. We got full gear from AEW coming up this weekend, so we're going to make our predictions for that show. We also got some wrestling news to cover, so we'll get into that. So let's just go ahead and hop right into it. I guess I'll start off the show with some of, some of the sadder news in the world of professional wrestling. There's a couple of sad stories. One story is really sad. The other story is sad, but does have a little bit of an uplifting part to it. So I guess I'll get with the saddest part first. Uh, Kylie Ray announced a hiatus from professional wrestling. I want to thank SC Scoops for the information on this on this particular story. Uh, she's taking a break from pro wrestling. She was supposed to be at Impact Wrestling Bound for Gory. She no-showed. There wasn't really a clear explanation of why she was not at the event. They did play her music and act like she was going to show up, but then she no-showed. So then her friend uh, Sue Young showed up, or technically I guess her friend is Susie. Sue Young is out the ego of Susie, and she showed up and ended up taking her place, I believe, in the match. Uh, she did post Monday morning on her Patreon page. She is currently unwell and is no longer a professional wrestler. Uh, she daily witnesses for her subscribers. I'm truly sorry for the pain I've caused and miscommunication. I'm currently unwell. I'm also sorry I wasn't able to get this out before your monthly subscription charge. I want to take this time to say I'm no longer a professional wrestler. I'm currently taking a break from social media. It's been a very hard decision to make, but please understand, when I am well, I will try to fulfill any obligations that I've missed. Uh, she has battled some mental health issues in the past. Uh, there's a good chance that this is what she's going through right now again. Again, she did not state this, so I just want to uh, state this is semi-drawn a conclusion. I don't want to sp- claim to speak for her directly or indirectly. It's just believed that, that that's what the case is. She's dealing with some mental health issues. She's dealt with them in the past. Uh, she ended up leaving AEW after signing a contract there for some previous issues. She, need, she needed to take some time away and got away for a while and ended up signing with Impact. So we hope, you know, obviously, first and foremost, that she can get uh, some treatment and, and get help for whatever issues. If it's not a mental health issue, for some other kind of issue, we hope she gets treatment for that as well, but especially if it's a mental health issue as well. So uh, we hope that she will, you know, maybe find her time way back into a restaurant at some point. But if she decides not to, if she decides maybe that's contributing to her problem, I hope she doesn't come back at all. If she does, you know, just uh, find some other sort of peace in her life. But 
regardless, uh, she seems like a really wonderful person. I don't know her personally, but she's always seemed like a wonderful person. Uh, I've never heard anybody speak ill of her, both you know on the record or off the record. So I do wish her the best and hope she can uh, get through this uh, rough time that she's going through. And like I said, it, it is uh, the sort of thing where you like, Sometimes the people that smile on the outside have the hardest problems on the inside, and I think uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say she seems to be one of those people because her gimmick, Smiley Kylie Ray, does seem to kind of you know contrast a little bit with what she goes through in her personal life. So I do wish her the best and hope she can get through this and uh, eventually find a path to complete wellness. Hopefully, eventually. Uh, anyway, moving on to another uh, sad story that did have at least a little bit of a uh, lifting part to it later on, however. Uh, there's this clip going around, this guy who snapped his legs. Basically, he climbs onto the ring, climbs into the ring in, in the wrestling ring. It looks like sort of backyard sort of federation. Uh, but I don't know if it's a backyard fed or it's just a, you know a fed with a little bit less money because you know social distancing. Sometimes people are putting on shows in areas that it wouldn't necessarily look like traditionally, but uh, uh, Twitter account rdream22 posted it. Uh, it's one of the people that posted the uh, video to it. It's been sort of going around a little bit. Uh, even people who don't really watch wrestling, I know a, a woman <laughs> that I'm seeing posted it to my messenger and stated, bet you can't do this. That was actually, that's not what she said. That's what whoever originally forwarded posted. But uh, anyway, basically, he basically just jumps up, climbs on the ring rope, jumps from the uh, corner and then when he jumps back his knees both bend backwards and it appears that he breaks both his legs uh, there was a uh, possibility according to his family and friends that his legs might be amputated uh, there is a GoFundMe set up uh, for expenses uh, for Justin's broken leg so if you want to contribute to that feel free uh, they say his bills could possibly top $200,000 for everything he's going through. But uh, Chris Jericho did, uh, however, you know, see the event. And uh, TMZ is actually the person who uh, posted this particular story that I'm reading about it and giving you most information from this time. Uh, he donated uh, $2,000 to the GoFundMe. Uh, there's been some other uh, donations, uh, I believe some of the others might be wrestlers. There is a Joseph Janela that donated to as well. Like, not 100% sure if that's Joey Janela or not, so I don't want to speak for him. But uh, it's possible that other wrestlers are chipping in. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to see that, especially when you know some some of your more famous wrestlers can chip in and help some of the guys on the on the indie scene or these smaller circuits. Uh, if you do want to happen to see the video, I did tweet it out from the VOC Nation account, so you can go there and see it. And I will actually retweet it from my account as well. Uh, so if you do want to check it out, you can feel free to check out at King David Lane on Twitter or VOC Nation on Twitter, and you will be able to see the video uh, if you want to see it. If you don't want to see it, I would avoid looking at it. You know, it's not it's not for everybody. It is public, so I did. Uh, I did go ahead and uh, tweet it out, but it's not for everybody. So I'll be forewarned, it is definitely kind of rough looking. Uh, the title for that particular tweet is Gruesome Injury Talked About on Wrestling with Problems Today. So you can check it out there. But anyway, like I said, there is a lighter, happier side to it that, again, that, you know, current wrestlers at the top the top levels are, you know, contributing to helping uh, a guy on independent scene. Because obviously, you know, uh, despite what you see from the uh, independent scene sometimes, a lot of these guys, or really most of these guys actually work second jobs, or really they work their main job, and wrestling is just something they do on the weekends, you know, because they love it, you know, they appreciate, they they like that spotlight, they like performing, they like, you know, being a wrestler, so they do it. There's not a lot of money in it for them, you know, sometimes there's almost no money in it, sometimes they might lose money on the show. A lot of times on the independent circuit, you might spend more in gas money than, than you get paid to do the show, if you get paid to do the show. <laughs> or like Chris said, you might get a hot dog or some popcorn or something, and, and that might be your pay for the evening. It depends on what 
level of independent because even though they call them the independents, there's a huge disparity in what you make them independent if you're a guy that was former WWE or a woman that was former AEW or Impact versus somebody who's at the very, very beginning or somebody who's been on the circuit for 20 years and never made it beyond just the, the, the local circuit. So glad to see that, like, you know, some of the uh, larger talent is uh, stepping up and helping this gentleman out. So uh, best wishes to him and hopefully he obviously recovery and really, really hoping that they don't have to amputate his legs because that would be really, really rough. <laughs> Let's move on to something that's a little bit happier. Um, AEW versus uh, NXT ratings have been pretty much a slaughter for the most part. Most of the time it's happened. Most of the time NXT has come on top. I mean, most of the time AEW has come on top. NXT has won a week or two here or there, but they usually, I don't think they've ever won more than a month in a row. Even when AEW has had to bounce around because of the NBA and other programming and whatnot. Uh, this particular week, however, NXT did come out on top just a little bit, like maybe uh, 45,000 viewers. AEW still did win the demo at .32 rating. They were 12th on cable for the demo. Uh, NXT was 21st on cable for the demo. Uh, if you want to look at some of the other ratings for the week, uh, Monday night's uh, post on sale Raw did a one point. 732 million viewers with a 0.51 rating. Uh, according to SE Scoops, which is providing information for this particular uh, article, the last time NXT had a higher viewership than AEW Dynamite was on July 8th for night two of the Great American Bash. Uh, so it, it does appear that NXT is actually doing a good job with these, quote, WCW <laughs> pay-per-view branded shows. So I, <laughs> they probably should just do that every week. This they they probably there's probably not 52 NXT <laughs> WCW pay views they could go with, but there's probably you know, a good you know there's probably a good good bright, what 10 or 15 close to it they could probably do it with. So maybe that wouldn't be such a bad idea. And by the way, like NXT, especially considering this is largely a you know a show with no fans. Again, obviously they do have the performance center, so you do have video screens. You have you do have a few wrestlers behind the cage, but this was mostly, you know, a little bit of a contained show. They did do some interesting things with the visuals. I did like Shotzi Blackheart as the host for the show, so that was a nice little touch to it. Uh, I'd say out of the recent NFC shows, this was probably one of my favorite ones. Like 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 I mentioned before, AEW is my favorite weekly show. AEW Dynamite is my favorite weekly show. It is the only show in wrestling that happens on a weekly basis that I try to play full attention to every week. I do watch pretty much all the major shows. I do watch SmackDown. I do watch Raw. I do watch uh, MLW, even though they're technically showing old undergrounds, which I will actually get into in a, in a second a little bit now that I mention it. Uh, but uh, once MLW Fusion comes back, I'll watch that. I do also watch MLW's Pulp Fusion, so just like you know, few you know promos and sound bites and some interesting content there too. So if you do like MLW, like wrestling, particularly the more creative side, the promo side, definitely check that out. Because while MLW has not been producing matches in a while, they have been producing these very entertaining seg- segments. Uh, Richard Holiday has been uh, one of the stars on that, I think, as well, as well as Injustice and uh, Filthy filthy Tom Lawler as well. So uh, there's been definitely been some interesting stuff put out by MOW, even though they haven't had any matches lately. Uh, but anyway, uh, the NXT Halloween Havoc special was a very entertaining show. They did have some good matches. Uh, the Dexter Loomis, uh, Cameron Grimes cinematic match was definitely sort of interesting, particularly with the zombies and the flexible, <laughs> flexible, crazy zombies and stuff in there. That was quite enjoyable. I am very, very interested in knowing, although I did, I probably should have, I probably just could have Googled it and find out for sure. But I wonder if one of these zombies was Casey Kenton zero, uh, uh, the NXT talent because just the flexibility and whatnot I saw on the person doing I was like I wonder if that's Casey <laughs> but anyway I probably could just Google that and find out but I don't feel like Googling stuff during a show if I don't have to so I'm not going to <coughs> I'll probably end up tweeting it out at some point on my social media account if I did finally manage to Google it but 
again, that's the joys of doing a show solo. Because, like I said, some weeks my calls are here, some weeks they aren't. Some weeks they aren't. It's a one-man operation. <coughs> and it's weird trying to filibuster and talk while you look stuff up on Google. It's, it's actually harder than you think. But at any rate, uh, that was your rating news for the week. We do have some other interesting side news about AEW-related uh, events as well. Uh, AEW has a video game announcement coming next week, so there's been talk about their game coming up uh, very, very soon. Uh, they did send out a teaser video to follow AEW games on all social media platforms. And there's also a new YouTube channel for AEW games. They mentioned to check back on Tuesday, November 10th, 5 Central, 6 Eastern, which is when the announcement will be made. Uh, there's a couple rumors going around. It could be regarding a social media, uh, not a social media, a mobile edition of the game. It could be a console game. Or maybe it'll be both. Uh, you never know. You know what it's going to be like. Uh, I think Kenny Omega has been uh, talked about it previously. Aubrey Edwards has been working on it as well. So uh, they did apply for a trademark for all elite wrestling, elite general manager and elite GM. So that could be a little bit of a clue. And of course, uh, PlayStation five comes out November 12th and Xbox series X comes out on 10th. So could be related to that too. You never know. Anyway, uh, looking forward to it. Uh, it does not mention who's developing the game, I don't think. I'm hoping it's the EA game, <laughs> just due to the fact that I have an EA, EA subscription. So eventually all the EA games come to me under that subscription, so I won't have to run out and buy it separately. Pretty much all the games I get I, are EA games because I don't really feel like paying full price for games. I used to like buy Madden every couple years, but I get an old edition, so I'd only have to pay like... 20 or 30 bucks less than a new edition would get, and then I would play that for a couple years, and I'd buy a new one that was a couple years old every couple years, because I'm a cheap dude. <laughs> but since EA came out with their subscription, basically play the equivalent of a price for one game, and then you get a bunch of games, pretty much every game they, they come out with, you eventually get at some point. Although you don't necessarily get the latest and newest games, uh, you usually get them within, I say, say, 8 to 10 months after they come out, most of them. And since I pretty much only play Madden, and uh, when I if I do manage to beat one Madden before the next Madden comes out uh, on mine, which Madden usually comes out the Madden usually comes out the day after Super Bowl, so you get the like I'll probably get Madden 21 after Super Bowl comes out. I'm, right now I'm playing Madden 19 because I actually did a weird thing while I was not able to beat Madden. I was not able to beat Madden 19 before Madden 20 was released to me, so. Part of that was probably the fact that I was in the hospital earlier this year, right around Super Bowl. But anyway, so I ended up having to move on to. I said, "Fuck it, I'm moving on to Madden 20 before I beat Madden 19." So I did beat Madden 20 already. So then I went back to Madden 19. I'm still working on that. So, but at any rate, uh, looking forward to checking it out, and I hope it is EA because I'm cheap. But anyway, uh, we did mention earlier in the show, and by me. By we, I mentioned me, because there's no other calls at the moment. But uh, I did mention that MLW, I'm enjoying the MLW Underground programming, because they basically started back from the beginning, from 2002, I believe it was, when MLW came out. They've been showing some of those old programs. I think they're up to, like, MLW 15 now, I believe, 15 or 16, somewhere in that range. One of the most interesting things that I noticed about that, though, is when they put up the top 10 rankings for the titles from the LW Underground. They'll put up a uh, previous show, previous edition to let you know those aren't the current rankings, <laughs> which is hilarious to me because they have names like Terry Funk in them. They have like <laughs> Sabu and, and guys like that. They have Mike Awesome in their top, you know, I believe he's in the top two guys last I checked. So the fact that they have to specify, you know, previous edition, it, just to clarify to fans that Terry Funk, who's in his 70s, is not <laughs> one of the top contenders is pretty freaking ridiculous. I mean, even when the show came out, he was probably in his late 50s at that point anyway. But <laughs> still, the fact that he's in his, like, what, mid-70s now, and they have to mention, oh, yeah, he's not <laughs> – 
in the current top ten is pretty ridiculous. Although I'm willing to bet, like I said, he has a, he, he. I don't think he's had a match in a couple years now, but he's probably he's probably well rested and ready to come back and fight again. <laughs> I would be I would be pretty shocked if he wasn't. But anyway, uh, the fact that Mike Awesome, who passed away uh, a few years ago, I believe. Uh, by the way, may make Awesome rest in peace. Uh, he fell victim to uh, suicide. Uh, sadly, uh, yeah, he passed away in 2007, so 13 years ago. Uh, after he retired, uh, he was actually—I think he retired from wrestling. Was actually in real estate at the time. So, the way I just noticed. Horace Hogan is considered his cousin. Uh, okay. I was not aware that Mike Austin was related to Horace Hogan. So sometimes you see the most randomest things when you uh, <laughs> when you look up wrestling or you go to that Wikipedia uh, hole, just like a YouTube hole. But anyway, uh, back to MLW, uh, the classic MLW underground shows. Uh I did like something else that was unrelated to the just previous edition little announcement that they made. Uh, they had Los Maximos feuding with the Samoan Island tribe. <laughs> and they did one of the most uh, hilarious slash brilliant things I've ever seen, you know, a smaller team do when feuding with a bigger team. Since they're like, you know, smaller, you know, luchador type team. Uh the Samoan Island tribe wrestles barefoot, you know, which was, you know, considered the Samoan just, just for a long time. So they just, you know, they said they basically just baited them to chase them, and then they had sprinkled tacks all along the floor. They had them run the barefoot along the tacks, so, so they beat the hell out of their feet. That was hilarious. I just not could stop cracking up when I saw that. But that's the sort of thing you can do in wrestling where, like, where like people tell you this person shouldn't beat that person, or this team couldn't beat that team. With wrestling, if you have creative enough booking, anybody can beat anybody. You can make it seem reasonable that in a given situation, somebody can beat somebody else. That's what you need to do with, you know, some few that seem, quote, mismatched if you want them to seem credible. Anybody can beat anybody in wrestling, and that should be always be wrong. I'm not saying that you should necessarily – book everybody to be everybody. I'm not saying that you like you would have Gilbert in his and I'm using quotation marks prime beat Hulk Hogan in his prime. But you could, you know, credibly, you know, create feuds where, you know, maybe he gets the best of them here and there, even though he doesn't beat him in a match or something. There are other ways to be creative and make it interesting. So congratulations to Los Massimos. <laughs> they didn't end up winning that match and it was hilarious to me. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, move on to, because we do have a call on the line, and let's see if the caller is at the liquor store. Is this Brian? This is I. Are you Are you free to talk? I am. Are you at the liquor store? Nope. Are you at the Lowe's? Nope. Well, that's, that sounds good. Actually, you sound nice and quiet in the background. So, welcome to the show, buddy. How's it going? You got any uh, particular wrestling news you want to discuss? Anything, or you just want to hop right into it? Uh, we can just hop right into it. Okay, well, let's get into our predictions for Full Gear. Are you excited for Full Gear coming up this weekend? I, um, I I am actually. I really am. Okay, so we got. Eight matches listed for the card. Uh, they do have listed on the uh, quote, you know, the pre the kickoff show. They do have Orange Cassidy listed versus John Silver. John Silver is one of the guys from the Dark Order, so I think it's safe to say there's a good chance Orange Cassidy wins that match. <laughs> but what is your prediction? I'm going with the obvious Orange. Okay. And by the way, they did have the. Uh, AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament that has fed into the sort of uh, basically the number one contender match. Uh, basically, you started out with Penta L0M, who was originally actually Pentagon Jr., but I think they changed his name for uh, marketing purposes during the tournament. Uh, he defeated his... Uh, he actually lost to his brother Ray Phoenix in open round, but Ray Phoenix got injured, so Penta L0M ended up advancing. Kenny Omega beat Sonny Keith 
in a squash in 25 seconds to move on to the semifinals. Uh, Adam Page beat Cocabana in the first round, and Wardlow beat Jungle Boy in the first round, which led to Wardlow versus Adam Page. Adam Page beat Wardlow by pinfall. Kenny Omega beat it Penta L0M by pinfall, which led to Kenny Omega versus Adam Page, which I think most people, when they looked at this bracket, probably assumed was going to be the match. But the winner of this match, of former tag team partners, gets a title match. So what is your prediction for who's going to win the match, Kenny Omega versus Adam Page? Um, Kenny Omega. And he is... And here's some, and here's the reason why I'm going to say um, Kenny Omega. It's not going to be for the reason a lot of people think. Now I know you can recall when um, the Young Bucks got screwed out of the tag team titles. Uh, yep. So uh, you notice they never really um, settled up with um, Adam Page. So I believe them um, costing him um, um, his match um, for the world title will make them um, in their eyes square, and um, they could um, be the elite now. Interesting. I did, I did not even think about that off the top of my head. I've been leaning towards Kenny Omega just because you look at Kenny Omega, you look at Adam Page, it kind of makes you think that you know, Kenny Omega is like the guy, he, he hasn't quite gotten the shine in AEW that everybody thought he was going to get. You know, skyrocketing back into the title picture would do that for him, though. They've had the, the they, they, he's going a little bit back to the cleaner gimmick. They've had the sweeper girls come out. So it makes me think they're ready to push him again. But that's also scary to me. Because AEW does like to dip and dive a little bit and swerve you a little bit here and there. So AEW is not always as completely predictable as you might think it might be. Uh, for instance, like when they had the tag team tournament, Private Party beating the Young Bucks was a huge surprise and upset at the time. So you never know with AEW. Yeah, you, you never know. Yeah, you know you never know what AEW is going to do. So I kind of want to be bold and predict Hangman Page wins the match, particularly since Kenny Omega, although Kenny Omega's kind of doing a tweener thing right now. He's not quite a heel. He's not quite a face. Adam Page is like, is leaning more heavily heel than face. So I'm kind of going to, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going to go with AEW gives us a little bit of a swerve and Hangman Page manages to uh, pull off. And actually, Actually, to contradict what you said, maybe, maybe, just maybe, instead of, you know, the Young Bucks helping Omega, maybe they help Paige, and they, like, they realize that they need to be evil, too. So they help Paige, and he uh, goes over Kenny Omega. So I'm not going to make that officially part of my prediction, but I am going to predict, hey, man, Paige pulls off a little bit of an upset here, and he gets the title shot. Because I also think that, uh, they would rather have a Hangman Page Johnny Moxley feud than a Kenny Omega Johnny Moxley feud, at least at this exact moment. So that's my other reasoning for going the other way on this prediction. So well, anyway, the only reason I went with that one as well was because um, remember when Moxley first came to AEW, he uh, defeated Omega. So to make it. Um, um, like um, all square and everything. Um, okay, Kenny Omega um, get the victory. Um, um, okay, at um, the pay per view, so that will make a little bit of a um, feud and everything. So that's just me. Like I said, it's it's completely fair. When we're making these predictions right now, there's no wrong answers. The only wrong answers come when we actually have the pay-per-view, and then one of us will be wrong. <laughs> so then there'll be a wrong answer. But right now, I think either one of these particular logics hold up. So it's not like, you know, it's not like we said something crazy like uh, a balloon's going to fall out of the sky and Hulk Hogan's going to fall on both of them and, and then take the title. So that, w- that would be ridiculous. But I think we're both using some sound logic as we're getting into our uh, predictions here. So anyway, let's move on to our next prediction. We got a singles match. We got uh, if MJF wins, he is allowed to join the inner circle match. Chris Jericho versus MJF singles match. Who you got? 
Uh, actually, to um, pull the swerve, I will put MJF for the win. And do you got any anybody interfering, or do you think it's gonna be clean, or what? Uh, I um, I think it's gonna be uh, Sammy Guevara that's gonna try and interfere. He's gonna screw up, and then um, MJF is gonna take advantage of. It. Oh man, that was my prediction too, man. I was that's what I was gonna come up with. That's why I asked you. You got any like interference? I, I was thinking maybe you could say somebody. I thought you were gonna say Sammy Guevara interferes on behalf of MJF on purpose, but no, you, you came up with what I came up with. That's the same thing. I think, I think Sammy Guevara is gonna. Going to try to help Chris Jericho because he hates MJF so much, and he's gonna mess it up, and that's gonna make MJF win. And then MJF is gonna be allowed to join the inner circle, and then Sammy Guevara is gonna be pissed, and Jericho's gonna be pissed at him. So I think that's I think I actually I, I think we're both thinking the same thing on this. So uh, usually we a lot of times we get to the same prediction in a different way, but we got to the same prediction in the same way. So that was very very interesting. So that means if Tony Khan is listening to the show, we're both going to be wrong because he's going to book it away from that. So that, that's how you know. If, if that prediction doesn't come true, that's what happened. He listened to the show and said, nope, I can't do it now that they produced it. But anyway, we got a singles match for the AEW Women's, Women's World Championship. We got Akiru Shida, the champion, versus Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero. Who you got? Uh, Nyla Rose. I got Nyla Rose too. She does have the benefit of a manager. Uh, they didn't really, I don't think they really worked her title run the last time around properly, although the pandemic, I think, screwed it up a little bit. And I think that, I don't know if she wasn't able to or wasn't willing to travel as much at the time when it first kicked off. So that sort of created a, a little bit of a downer uh, doing her title run. But when you have a, quote, dominant beast with a manager on top of it, it makes every bit of sense that she would go ahead and win the title and become the first uh, two-time AEW Women's World Champion. So that is my prediction. Next, we got an elite deletion match. I have no idea what that means. I think they, they might, you know, announce a little bit uh, more a little bit later uh, as far as what the match exactly will detail, but we got Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Who you got? Um, I'm going with Matt Hardy. Any particular reason you got Matt? Uh, okay. I figure um, this would be one of the worst days, uh, quote unquote, for um, Sammy. Uh, Matt. Okay, he loses to Matt Hardy and he screws Chris Jericho. Then um, the inner circle is going to beat the hell out of um, Sammy Guevara um, and putting him on the shelf. Interesting. I hadn't like I hadn't literally connected the, the two separate incidents, but that actually I do like I do like what you're thinking. Uh, I hadn't actually th- put that much thought into who I thought was going to win the match. And I try not to be influenced by what the other people predicting the show, uh, predicting the matches do, but I'm going to find it real hard not to be influenced by what you just said. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with Sammy Guevara just due, due to the fact that Matt Hardy has gotten the best of him a lot of, a lot of the time. And since he's a veteran that's a little bit closer to the end and the beginning, I think this would help Sammy Guevara if you gave him the win right now. So I'm going to go ahead and give Sammy Guevara the win. Uh, that doesn't mean something can't happen after the match and we find out what this elite deletion is some other kind of way. But for the time being, I'm going to go ahead and go with Sammy Guevara. Just because, like I said, he's the young guy. You want to sort of elevate your young guy, create your new stars, and Matt Hardy seems to be okay with that. He's always been okay doing his job for the business. So... Uh, mm. Next, we got a uh, singles match for the AEW TNT Championship. We got Cody Champion with Arn Anderson versus Darby Allen. Who you got? Darby. Oh, you predicted Darby's going to win the TNT Championship over Cody? Do tell. Please give me some more insight. Why do you think that? Well, like you said, um, 
Uh, most, uh, most, okay, if nothing else, um, Darby Allen is like that one one dude who everyone likes, and Cody don't really need a title to be over. But I think for um, Darby and for um, um, AEW to to like pull the swerve um, for the pay per view, this will be the one that will be the swerve. Actually, I like to think with that too. Uh, and I'm going to throw in a little bit of a bonus thing here. Sting's merchandise has been taken down from the WWE site. Mm. What has Darby Allen been doing recently at AEW shows? He's been sitting up way high in the crowd with his face paint. In a raffle. So... What are the chances? Well, not really checking the rafters because obviously they're in an outdoor stadium that doesn't have rafters, but still up high away from people by himself, just sitting there in the dark face paint. So what if Sting were to make an appearance <laughs> and just sort of shock Cody and Darby takes advantage of it? Well, I, um, actually I got one better though. Okay. Um, now you have um, King Taz um, coming out to um, um, beat, okay, um, getting ready to beat the hell out of um, Darby Allen. Okay, so um, Cody like, oh, okay, um, on, okay, on like, no, don't interfere in the match. Um, oh, okay, um, Brian Cage um, push um, on Anderson. Cody, okay, um, Cody um, tries tries to go after uh, okay tries to go after um, Brian Cage, Brian Cage um, um, knocks the hell out um, Cody, throws him in, in the ring, then um, Darby Allen um, takes advantage of that one two three. Now you have a feud between um, Team Taz um, along with um, Cody. Yes, in nightmares in a nightmare family too. By the way, too, so you got stable versus stable, so that definitely could create some possibilities if they do do it. They do it that way. They do create a feud that way. It could be very very interesting. So I, I do like that booking. So yeah, I, I do like that. That could be very very interesting. So good job on your fantasy booking there, Brian. Uh, next, yeah, next we got a match between. Uh, this is our looks like our second to last. Match we got to predict. Uh, we got a tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. If the Young Bucks lose, they will never challenge for AEW World Tag Team Championship again. We got FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood, the champions, with Tully Blanchard versus the Young Bucks. Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, who you got? Uh, actually, I'm going for the Young Bucks. I am too. Like I said, they already did the sort of thing where if we lose, we'll never go for the title thing with Cody. So Cody has never went for the uh, AEW World Championship, even though he did eventually win the AEW TNT Championship. I don't think the Young Bucks will take themselves out of the title picture for this particular match. So, And again, with these sort of stipulations, I like to watch what the exact words said are. If if if, if if they had said something where they could like weasel out of it a little bit better, like uh, we'll never be given another World Tag Team Championship match, that'd be different. It says they will never challenge for us, so that means they can't like win a tournament. They can't do this. They can't do that. They can't, you know, unless they want to quote go back on their promise. So whenever these stipulations come out, I like to look at the wording very very carefully. There's it doesn't look like yeah. there's any wiggle room for that. So. And then with the young books sort of having this sort of change of attitude for like the last couple months, I think this is sort of perfect for you know letting them get the win this time. And I think this this actually could be a a long running feud that you know goes over the period of months and months. This, I don't think this will be, be the last time we see these two battle for the belts. Now I'm I'm seeing this being similar to the Orton McIntyre feud where um, you could have. Um, um, okay, now this is how I see that match going. Okay, um, actually the Young Bucks, um, we, um, okay, we're um, set up um, FTR, 
and make it look like um they they um cheated um to, to get the victory. They're gonna disqualify FTR. Does Young Bucks winning? Pulling a um Eddie Guerrero. Actually, that's something. Actually, I just when you said that, I just I just thought of a uh, quote more wiggle room because it says they lose, they never challenge. It doesn't say they have to win. It just says if they lose, they won't challenge. So technically, technically, there there is there is wiggle room for thanks for playing that. Now I've sort of defeated my argument. (laughs) But at any rate, (laughs) I'm still going with the Young Bucks when the titles in this match. (laughs) Anyway. Our last but not least match for the uh, AEW Full Gear uh, pay-per-view is the I Quit match for AEW World Championship. You're John, John Moxley, the champion versus Eddie Kingston. Who you got? Mox. I do, too. And especially since uh, Hell in a Cell had a I Quit match, I'm interested to see how they do it. I think... With uh, in this particular case, they're not going to do the weasel way out where I'm beating on your brother, or I'm beating on this guy, I'm beating on that guy. I think this will actually result in Eddie Kingston actually saying I quit. I think this will be a br- this will be a brutal match, but definitely I think Eddie Kingston will actually go the full way and end up saying I quit, as opposed to you know how WWE always likes to book their matches. It seems lately where there's always. I quit, but it's not a true I quit. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there'll be a real I quit, or do you think they'll weasel the weasel that way out of it some kind of way? Uh, I'm I'm seeing. Um, okay, it could go one of two ways. Now, if they want a um, oh, um oh, okay a ending to the feud, it will be a straight up um, I quit match. Now, if they want um, to extend this a little bit longer, um, oh, um, oh, okay, um, pretty much I can see what um, Mox would do would be he will have um, an object um, near Eddie Kingston's eye, and then um, then, then he'll be handcuffed where he's powerless, where he can't do anything. So he'll have to say, I quit. Then, um, um, okay, Kingston we use um the excuse um hey you had me chained up you 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 had this sharp object at my eye i was going to go blind so um i had to say i quit you never actually made me submit via a wrestling hole so then you could extend that um a a, a little bit longer you know what i mean so that's Either way, you could look at it like that. Myself, I'm just seeing this is going to be a straight up, I quit. And um, actually, I could I see him um, doing that via figure four leg lock. Interesting, interesting. So now we got our predictions out of the way. I'm actually going to go a little bit of a different way during the show. We usually close the show out after we make our predictions, but I wanted to discuss something else. Like I said, I want to go beyond just discussing news and predicting pay-per-views and stuff. So I'm actually going to do something a little bit different. I did tell Brian and uh, Chris that I wanted to just start adding this to the show, but I didn't tell them what the topic was going to be. Uh, I, this particular week, guess what I want to discuss is something a little bit historic. Uh, I want to discuss Ravishy Rick Rude. And also uh, related to that, a wrestler that I think is kind of similar to him. Remember how I like to say that uh, I'm sick of guys comparing every young Latin wrestler to Eddie Guerrero because there'll never be another uh, Eddie Guerrero? Right. There was one that I had a little bit of a close inkling to that had just a hint of the charisma, and that was Angel Garza. But Angel Garza is actually more like Ravishy Rick Root to me than he is Eddie Guerrero. The the only tie he has to sort of Eddie Guerrero as far as is the Latin heritage and the sort of being a little, sort of ladies man sort of thing, but he thinks he's a ladies man probably a little bit more than he actually is, as far as part that being part of the gimmick. Uh, Ravishing Root had the same a lot more of that as his whole gimmick 
particularly his uh, what I call his WWF run in the mid to late eighties. Because uh, uh, I, I saw the, I first saw Ravishing Rick Root I think in World Class Championship Wrestling. He was just he was Ravishing yeah. Rick Root. He didn't have a sort of over the top. I'm gonna kiss the lady sort of gimmick. He was he was was he was a bit of a pretty boy, but he didn't have the sort of order tough thing that he did in WWF. When he started doing the gimmick where he was like uh basically just he would call out all the beautiful women in the audience and would kiss them and he'd end up stalking people's girlfriends and wives and stuff. That was like just some top heel stuff. But that particular gimmick it kinda reminds me of what Azo Garza was doing with whipping his pants off in front of like people's women and stuff. I think yeah. that's a much more direct parallel. Uh do you have any particular thoughts on Ravishing Root Root that you want to share or did you just like share a similar opinion to me? Well, um I um I was at this now actually um you're probably missing someone else who who, who had a a um okay, um now we're talking about Eddie Guerrero. Now, I like Eddie. One of my favorite um, wrestlers of all times. Probably um, now, a lot of people would say, um, "Okay, the best Latin um, wrestler of all time." Now, would you agree with that? Myself, I, I, um, I would give it to one other person, but um, before I give it to Eddie Guerrero, which. Um, you have to be at least 40 years of age to at least know who the hell I'm talking about, and that would be Gino Hernandez. You don't need to be 40 years old. If you have WWE Network, I'm sure you can, like, or YouTube, you can probably find out who he was. But honestly, I'm, like, his age, and I don't really remember Gino Hernandez all that much. So feel free to enlighten us on Gino Hernandez. Okay. Um, G- okay, Gino Hernandez was in um, – Okay, now when I call him, he was in uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. He um, unfortunately um, um, passed um, back in the um, early '80s. Um, in most, okay, in most um, wrestling fans that's in the um, '30s, haven't um, got a chance to see um, him back when he was in his um, glory days back then. But he was feeding with. At the time, it was um, Kerry Varnieri. Myself, I consider Gino Hernandez a cross between Rick Rue, Rick Flair, and um, Eddie Guerrero. And actually, like I said, since you did bring him up, I will give a brief sort of uh, I'll give a sort of brief rundown on his uh, who he was and whatnot. Uh, his, his given name was actually Charles Eugene Wolf Jr. Uh, he did wrestle, like you say, for World Class Championship uh, between 76 and 86. Uh, he was actually died at the young age of 28. His death was originally ruled a homicide, but they later changed it to drug overdose, uh, cocaine uh, being the drug that uh, unfortunately caused his demise. Uh, he did originally wrestle as a rookie for AFRS Big Time Wrestling in Detroit. Uh, he was trained by Jose Lothario. His uh, character, Gino uh, Hernandez, was nicknamed the Handsome Half-Breed. And then, like like we mentioned, he wrestled for Southwest Championship Wrestling after being trained hard by Jose Lothario. He also wrestled for World Class Championship for about a decade. He did have a feud with David Von Erich over the NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship, which he won and eventually lost him back. He was actually in a tag team, the Dynamic Duo, with Tully Blanchard as well. So, uh they were considered one of the top heels in all of Texas at the time. And he did yeah. also have a uh, feud with Chavo Guerrero when he hit him over the head with a beer bottle and he later insulted the Guerrero family. So they actually did actually have a few, ran a few, a few Texas territories. So he did have a, like, like I said, for a guy that died at 28, he had a pretty yeah. incredible run over a decade. So like I said, yeah, when you, when you miss his name, I remembered his name, but he like literally, I probably had been watching wrestling less than a year by the time he died. I don't even know if I actually had watched World Class yet at that point. Because, like I said, I started yeah. watching, I believe, in 85. I believe I started watching wrestling the day before, or not even, I take it back. I don't even know if I started watching wrestling the day before WrestleMania. I definitely started, I believe the first time I was aware of professional wrestling was that Saturday Night Live before WrestleMania when they had Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan and Mr. T on it. 
I believe that was the first time that I actually became aware of what professional wrestling was at the time. So, yeah, I don't even know if I had a chance to see him before he passed away. I'm sure I'd seen some of his stuff after he passed because they did do, like, uh, some shows where you'd see some classic world-class stuff later on. Yeah. But, yeah, like yeah. I said, that is, that is definitely a good reference to bring up somebody that, like like you say, most fans today probably would not be familiar with. Yeah, um, he he he's one of uh, my uh, one of my um, all-time favorite heels. Um, and for um, people who who want to um, check him out, um, if if you're a fan of old school wrestling, um, I think you would enjoy uh, watching some some of his um, matches and some of the um, early um, um, world-class championship wrestling matches with the um, Von Erics. Uh, definitely. Like I said, and like I said, world-class was definitely a fun federation. Unfortunately, you know, like I said, it was, it was uh, one, Fish Von, Ver- Fish Von Eric was not the unfortunate part. Uh, Fish Von Eric ran, and unfortunately, his sons were his biggest stars, but unfortunately, the bigger stars that were his sons also, you know, led to many early deaths in that family. And unfortunately, like like we mentioned a few times on the show, Kevin's the last of the brothers left. Uh, luckily, like I said, I guess the what you'd call the third generation in the family does appear to be a little bit doing a little bit better as far as wrestling. Kevin's son is still, you know, in MLW and wrestling around the world. Lacey Von Eric, who was Terry's uh, daughter, wrestled for a while, but then eventually did retire. But, you know, she's still around, you know, doing various things, so it's what good. Is doing? Oh, boy. Uh, you know what most people do, like, these days? They're either on... Re- After they, they do the one thing that makes them famous, and they either do reality shows, or they do Instagram influencing, or some related things like that. Basically, just social media stuff. She's doing something like that last I checked. <laughs> Ooh. Like okay. I could, I could, I literally could Google it right now, but I don't, literally don't care enough to go ahead and put in the effort to type in her name at this exact moment. Because last I heard, that's what she was doing. So if she does something important enough that it pops up on my newsfeed, I'll find out. But until that happens, I'm not gonna go through the effort googling it. Um. Okay. Now I do have one last thing though. Okay. Now, as um. Okay. As you know, um. Along with myself. Okay. Um, MLW is one of my favorite wrestling shows. Now, one of the things that um, hit, hit me um, cracking up um, was the feud between um, Team Filthy and the Von Erics. Um And it just so happened I was just um, look, looking at the um, some of the archive episodes and I ran into the theme music of um, Team Filthy. And that's probably one of the best theme music songs I ever heard. And that's up there with CM Punk's. That's up there with um, um, Now to Play the Game. Um, it, wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, when you say CM Punk's music, are you talking about Code of Personality or is uh, Straight Edge Society music or which music are you talking about? Uh, Code of Personality. Oh, okay. Just, just wanted to clarify because you got to be specific when you mention people's theme music when they have multiple songs. So just wanted to clarify. But anyway, go ahead. You were mentioning um, some other songs that you thought were some of the greatest songs? Yeah, um, that, uh, um, along with um, um, Disturbs, um, um, Shattered Glass for Stone Cold, which that that's probably my um, second favorite um, theme music of all time. Stone Cold is definitely real good. Uh, the Rocks is real good. Uh, we definitely got got to include. Uh, if you like, I said you got to include uh, Walk for Rob Van Dam, and you definitely got to include Inner Sandman for Sandman. And like I said, some of these songs I sort of like his songs, but if you just if you were just purely judging them as a song, I might necessarily not like them quite as much. Right. But for the wrestling, like right now, we're we're discussing them as wrestling things. It has to be obviously the song still needs to be good. Don't get me wrong, but it also has to fit with the wrestler, and it has to create that mood for you. It has to get you hyped for that wrestler. Like CM Punk's Code of Personality, you know, really gets you hyped for the wrestler, and it's a good song. 
You know, Stone Cold's music is definitely solid music. Like, but if it wasn't Stone Cold's music, if you just heard it as a song and you didn't have the connection to Stone Cold, you might not feel the same way about it. Same thing with The Rock's music. If it wasn't associated with The Rock, even though you might like it, it probably wouldn't feel the same way. Walk, I, I feel like they probably still have a certain amount of hype, it, particularly if you, if you like that sort of, you know, hard edge sort of music. Yeah. Same thing for Inner Sandman. Inner Sandman, if you like that kind of music, probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't even need the Sandman reference for it. But uh, the fact that those songs are tied to those wrestling with ECW, I think it definitely matters even more so for those particular songs. Yeah. Anyway, you definitely raised some good points. And uh, before we go, I did want to you know just talk a little bit more about Rick Rude before we got out of here. Uh, one yeah, of the reasons, yeah. yeah, one of the reasons why I brought up Rick Rude is obviously because the ties to Angel Garza. Because I just like because I've been watching ECW from like the year 1997. So this is the time he was effort with the franchise, and then he eventually did turn on him. So watching him, I was not aware of this run he had in ECW as much. I kind of I, I guess I kind of had heard it, but I hadn't had a chance to watch it because when I was in college, I didn't, I didn't watch ECW. We did not have it available. I sort of followed it on the internet. A little bit here and there, but I could not actually watch it. I was not able to watch ECW until 1998 around May when I moved to Tampa, Florida, and they hit it on Sunside Network. So I did not see this particular run for Rick Rude. I did see his run in WWE that took place, you know, right around this time. I was not aware he was doing color commentary on ECW at the time. I did not sort of see this a little bit, you know, more adult version of his gimmick anyway, by the way, too. Because he's, like I said, some of the stuff he's saying on ECW television, there's obviously there's no way he would have got away with it today on WWE television. But even during the Attitude Era, it might have been a little bit rough trying to get that on. He's, he, he's definitely getting very, very close to some of that Val Venus sort of territory with his gimmick that he's doing, particularly with some of his references to Francine. Like I said, they, he might have got away with it doing some promos, you know, as far as the uh, in the ring stuff, because they did do some crazy stuff with Valvinus. But I don't know about the owner color commentary, but if he would have got away with some of the same references, because that was a little bit of a different standard, I think. But yeah, like I, said, I was not aware of. I always kind of knew he had a great gimmick with the Ravisher Rick Rude gimmick. I was aware that he was, you know, solid on the mic. But I got to see a little bit more of a, you know, more, you know, different side of him watching his ECW run that I had not seen previously. So ECW definitely had a way of getting the best out of a lot of the talent, you know, because even though Ravish Rue was solid on the mic previously, he still had Bobby the Brain as his, quote, manager. So he didn't really get as much mic time as he might have got if he had been on his own. So it was it was interesting seeing him, you know, you know, basically, basically, Pretty much completely unleashed, I'd, I'd say that way. So, okay. you know, yeah, rest in peace, Rick Root, Ravishing Rick Root. And like I said, if you haven't had a chance to check out some of the old Rick Root stuff or some of the Gino Hernandez stuff that you mentioned, definitely come check it out. It is available either on WWE Network or on YouTube or various other places. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, rate- oh, um, I, um, actually, I was about to ask you something for next week, though. Okay, what's up? Okay, you okay, you actually um raised um um the, the the um light bulb that came on in my head. So my my question is for next week or a future show, um could we expand on that thing with, with um how ECW um h- h- did um um a, a few wrestlers because I know um me, me both know that there were some former um WCW wrestlers and um, some former um, WWF wrestlers who went to ECW and they had um, a pretty um, interesting um, career in ECW. Okay, like I said, we could definitely include that. Uh, Send me some instant messages about some of the guys you want to talk about. I'll send you some the same way. So just so we'll be a little bit on the same page, but I I probably know some of the guys you're talking about, but let's just... uh, We'll do that to private message a little bit later during the week, and then we'll get back to that next week. But that's definitely a great idea for a topic for next week, so we'll discuss that as well as our full gear. Uh, We'll see how full gear went as well, and we'll probably discuss some of the other great news in the world of wrestling over the past week. So at any rate, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. I came looking for booty. 
I like you, and I want you. Now, we can do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.